Family presents Let's Rage Coup, streaming on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, man. I already heard people chomping at the bit to get at this one. All right, welcome to another edition of Let's Rage Coups. I am oh, feeling really Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review is on my channel. Joining me is Dayon Dunlap. We are taking our time to take your frustrations as Andy Yanez and Akib Ghazi are getting post-game comments from Coach Hogerson and players. Mm-hmm. And James Mueller will be joining us as well later on. But let's get right into it. Another edition of Less Rage Coog. You see us scrawling across the screen there. Coog's lost. They're now 2-3. and three. They're 0-1 in the American Athletic Conference. They lost 27-24 in overtime. Day on. Let me just say this real quick. How are you, first of all, brother? Oh, I'm doing well. No complaints. No complaints. So let me get this. Cougs lost to third-string quarterback, Kai Horton. Third-string quarterback. One more time. Third-string quarterback, Kai Horton. He finished the game 11 for 21. Only passed for 132, but three TDs. He completed eight of his last 11 pass attempts including the last three. One of those three was a game-winning touchdown in overtime. Tulane, 1-0 in conference, 4-1 overall. The Cougs are 2-3 overall and 0-1 and in the American Athletic Conference. April, hi, April, how are you? Yes, I said third-string quarterback. Yes, I did, April. Third-string quarterback. You see there, right there, Clayton Toon, 22 of 33, with 208, two TDs. But he also ran the ball 14 times. 14 times. Damn, what's up with that, man? My quarterback running the ball 14 times? Hey. Have at it, man. That's have at it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. And it, that. But really, I think the offense, or lack thereof, is what's the key. The focus should be on, in my opinion, tonight from what I've seen. I don't remember the stat right off the top of how many more plays Houston ran than Tulane, but I know at the time of possession they had the ball 36 minutes and 52 seconds while Tulane only had it 23 minutes and 8 seconds. But you possessed the ball with all that time, run all those plays, but it, you, don't, you don't put up any points. And whether you, we talk about a third-string quarterback, we have a, a fifth-year senior quarterback who just, from my opinion, who I watched the game, just too antsy in the pocket. A lot of those sacks isn't on the offensive lineman. He has time to throw the football, but his time he gets antsy in the pocket. One time he stepped up to the right where there's a clear hole to the step up to the left to extend the play, to make a play downfield. Other times he just patting it, just feet just antsy, start running, then a deep gets a sack, and it's no rhythm to the offense from what I've seen. Like what – I expect more from the offense. The defense, all those times they got those stops in the second half, offense got all those possessions, they didn't do nothing with it. And so, again, the defense, of course, they did allow a third-string quarterback to make plays, in which his very first touchdown was a really, really nice play where he scrambled to the right and threw his very first touchdown for Tulane of the game. But defense, secondary, I mean, tackling. Tackling isn't coaching. I mean, too many missed tackles. Um, 
I, I really don't know. But offensively, I think as a huge – most of the penalties, they had nine penalties. If I remember right, at least six or seven of those penalties were offensive penalties. Four holding but, calls. Four holding calls, at least three off um, false start calls. And, man, this situation of football, it's, man. But I think Houston will continue struggling until the quarterback – need better quarterback play. Better quarterback play 100% from, from what I've seen. Let me see. All right. We got it from Andy Yanez. Fans, get ready. We're going to play Coach Holgerson's comments. Here we go. Real quick. Technology is a beautiful thing. Let's raise Cougs. Here it is. Houston football coach Dana Holgerson on the loss to Tulane. Here we go. Um, just not playing to go around. I mean, offense clearly didn't do enough. You know, defense gave up another drive at the end. Special teams uh, missed a couple of field goals. All three sides right there. Big play, and, and they sort of at times make one diamond, or they you know they, they make plays. But did, is there anything that's done differently after three times, or did you feel like it's that's that wasn't a one minute offense? That was just that was a three minute drive. The other ones that you're talking about, which nobody's more sick about this than me, the other ones were true two minute. I mean, this was just a normal drive. I mean, there's three minutes. Um, we played normal defense. We didn't get into our two-minute defense because we didn't have to. They made some plays, and we didn't. Fortunately, they scored. Next question. Tayshawn there. Um, Ankle again. One or two more. Dana, did you did you think at all about uh, Chip deferring in that overtime, or is that more just going to let Adam? We don't, we don't need to bring this back up. Uh, you can blame it on me if you want to, because we took the ball at the end of the day. When you have the ball, you need to get first downs and score in the red zone. And when you don't have the ball, you need to not let them score a touchdown. We didn't either. Dana, 
Dana, uh, you mentioned just Clayton, too, and just going out there and making plays, but at times it, it seems like he's running up too much. Do you feel like is it just the receivers not being able to be open? Is it blocking, or is it just you know the defense is making great plays? Well, if I knew that, I'd figure it out. Uh, I'll watch the video and try to figure it out. One more. Would you like to discuss the uh, push-off that was a call that time drive? Yeah. I'm not blaming it on them, but I don't I don't know what pass interference is. I think Hips was pass interference either. And we get we, we get called for that, they don't. All right, well, Coach Hogerson, he owned up more after this loss than he did initially after last week's loss, so that's something positive. Uh so what what are your thoughts what you heard? I mean, he said it right. Enough blame to go around, um, starting with the offense. I think the offense has to produce more. But I will say there was a lot of times and often in that game where Tulane dropped eight. And then Houston started to run the ball and be more effective, and which forced them to bring those safeties down a little bit. Then they started to open up the passing game. So I'd say I think in that third down in overtime in which they dropped eight in the red zone, you got to have a better play call. You got to hit them with it. You got to anticipate that because they've been doing it all game on third down. You got to call a better play, whether it's a draw or uh, something to get the ball um, to get that first down and, and keep that play alive. But, I mean, it's just they made plays and, and Houston didn't. I mean, you can't really blame the, the referees, different calls. That's just part of the game. That's how the game goes. But, I mean, for the, for the most part, this much, he was pretty honest um, as far as and stepping accountability from – um, offense and defense giving up some plays too, but I think offense just has to do more for me, in my opinion. Let's get into some of these comments. Um, I will pull the fir- well, first one right here. I like this one as a basketball person. 38 <laughs> days until hoops. And I noticed that uh, UH volleyball is, is 12 and 2 and, and 3 and 0 in conference. So there's a positive <laughs> on that, Kook fans. I like one. I like King Jaws. Yeah, basketball season is uh, can't come soon enough. Here, I mean, we got so many comments, and thank you very much. But we're getting into it. Let me pull up the, the numbers first uh, from a fan here. Coogs are money. Love million dollars. That is the buyout for Dana by the end of this year. It goes down to nine point three million, January one, two thousand. 23 comment right here from chris butler and this is true look at coach's record at west virginia he had one good season one great season yeah that's it that's it i mean that's that's was one reason that i was not thrilled about the hire here in the first place so he's much more humble this week but here we go this is it right here this is what you're referencing they they on. It's, it's on her because they're two and three now. She said we fire coaches who go eight and four. Well, they got to go six and one to go eight and four. I'm not sure they're going to go six and one to get to eight and four. I'm not sure either. <laughs> I'm not sure either. And, and, I mean, somebody might, it's going to the Big 12. You want to be in the Big 12, we'll be hollering that. And if, doesn't look like the, the head man 
is the guy for the job. And so I know we just mentioned the numbers, but somebody may need to go in the pockets. <laughs> and I ain't counting nothing but whoever, but hey, if you want, there's some big names out there who I think Houston oh, can turn well, around. I, I would doubt this happens. <laughs> but Mark Berman tweeted a picture of a coach who was on the sidelines in the, at TDECU Stadium this evening. Coach Hoax, Coach uh, Ogeron. The way he ended it at LSU, I, I doubt that would happen yeah, here. He is a great defensive coach, great recruiter. He's been a part of a lot of great college football teams. He knows what it looks like. He coached probably the best, one of the best NCAA team, champion team, teams, but I don't know about Coach O. Uh, big name, I, I know it probably won't go well, especially off the field, but on the field, college yeah. football, what he will do with his name I'm about to say, Urban Meyer. <laughs> like, I know off the field. Uh, well, I mean, oh, yeah, off the field. I mean, same with Coach O. Some of his issues off the yeah, field, too. If we, if we could get Urban Meyer, I don't know but if we can get a lot of money. That's a lot of yeah, money right there. That's a lot of money, but that's the type of coach you need that can turn around in one year, like recruiting, everything. But I don't know, man. This this game, at what point do we – like we asked this last week, what point do you go to look at your younger quarterbacks? <laughs> I mean, like yeah. – I mean, because they play Memphis next Friday, and that's on the road, right? That's at Memphis. So they, could lose, they could lose that game right there and be 0-2 in conference play and then 2-4 overall. Then what? Then what? Man, it's just a, I, I don't, it's just a huge turnaround from one season. So I think last year had to be fool's gold. It, it, had it looks be, that way. It does I mean, look that way. Schedule what they seen and, and the players that we had. I I, I mean I I still on this one I can't blame the defense. The defense could have made more plays. They allowed it to drive the third QB. All that is facts, facts, facts. That's one hundred percent true. They could have made more plays. That's true. But the offense had ton of plays, ton of opportunities to put points on the board. When the defense got stop after stop after stop, I mean, play calling all that. I don't know. I, defense, I ain't giving them an excuse. But they played well enough to win today. From what I watched the game, I don't, am I tripping or no? Let me ask you this. I'm put this up here from one of our viewers. Losing Clay Tune and Tank Dell. They're going into the Big 12 next year without two of the supposedly preseason best players at their position in the country. And the Tank, three now. Definitely. Tank 100%. But I like the skill groups. I think people, right? Where that's the least, skill position is the least of our worries going to next season. We will have probably one of the top duo running backs. I love Brandon Campbell and Alton coming back. I ain't worried about our skill position. Matthew going to be a sophomore. It's about the quarterback. In my opinion, quarterback. I mean, he been here all this time. What has he accomplished besides last year? Like, like, what did? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. We get better quarterback play today. We win the game. Like you, uh, how they in the NFL? They go quarterback from quarterback. Clayton Toon lost to a third string quarterback. Not the defense. The defense gave up plays, but the offense didn't do nothing. And so now we're going to the Big Twelve. If I what we got, that's what I'm saying. 
at what point is it to plan for the future? I know you ain't want to give up as the only one or whatever, whatever, whatever. But at some point, you got to give these young quarterbacks some experience to see what they got going into next year. And I know we got the transfer from Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if he's listed, Collie. But I want to see our young quarterbacks because Clayton Toon, in my opinion, is not him. He's not that guy. <laughs> and, and let me say this to add to your point. Didn't Coach Hogerson say last season? that in his system, about yeah. a third year, the quarterback is ready to excel in this system, right? He said it. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a, we're a year removed from that. And yep. Clay Toon has not excelled at all. So that is a concern. And, I mean, I'm putting some more comments from the fans. Cougar fans are frustrated. Yeah, we got and a lot of comments. We got a lot of comments. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. We appreciate it. Chris Butler with a comment right here. Not one phase of this team looks well coached. This team has checked out on Dana. No energy, no leadership on the sideline. Everyone looks like they're ready for midterm exams. There's a lot of truth in that. That's a lot of truth in there from the outside looking in, especially on the sideline. Like all these offensive penalties, I ain't, I'm not seeing the quarterback talk to the guys. You got like who? No, I'm just not seeing nobody. And that's a lot of lot of truth to that. I like that comment. That was a good one. That was a good one. I mean, I, and during the game, Hogerson got not only mad at the players doing his headset, then he was upset with the crowd when they were born going into overtime. Well, that's that's Dana Hogerson. He's he's very emotional to a you can say to a fault. You know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Another comment from Wes right here. What are your thoughts on this? The only reason the defense was decent tonight was because they were going against a third string QB. Like the second it. string QB was five for five. <laughs> you know, nah, I, think, I think it's so true to that because Pratt is NFL talent potential. Potential. I don't know if he's going, but he got that kind of potential. And at the same time, you're right. I agree. That's the word. They were decent enough to win the game. And so they were decent. And I agree 100%. <laughs> I agree. Everything right. he said. Next, Stephen Hiller. We're going into the Big 12 with no fans in the stands and a hopeless football team. At some point, the humiliation and PR crisis has to outweigh the buyout. Oh, man. I mean, what? what Fans, fans are frustrated, and frustrated. more and more people. I mean, the, the groundswell grew last week with Hogerson and the "I ain't take responsibility" comment, mm-hmm. which he apologized for on Monday. And then but he, now they're losing. Yeah, now they're okay. losing. So I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, we're seeing people, alums, who are making donations to Houston Rise, the campaign for a football facility. No, maybe they pay. Maybe got enough folks who may, you know, wait till January 1st and pay the $9.3 million and say, thank you for your time, Dana. You got to go. Maybe we're getting close to that point. I think it's going to be real close if they lose next Friday at Memphis and go to 0-2 in the the American. So, uh, who's our money again? Can't be scared of change. Go back to the buyout. I mean, this, this is where fans are now. Um, Change, I, I agree. You can't be scared of change, but at the same time, change, unless you get the right coach, can push you back a couple of years. Uh, but the way it's looking, it looks like we're going to be down anyway. 
<laughs> so it's like you yeah. might as well. <laughs> so, but unless you get the right coach in there with and keep some of the talent that we have and bring in even more talent, you look at the recruiting what Texas Tech is doing and how they doing it. It's the way it could be done. I, I, what um, man, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm 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 going to put the administration's words back at them. Right. Because they, they, they said we fire coaches go eight and four. Eight and four. They said they want to be a big time program. You gotta pay the big money. There you go. You got it too. Dana is not a big time coach. No, I don't believe he was when they hired him. I think he's proving that, reaffirming that this season he is not a big time coach. This is not personal. This, this is not a personal at all. I don't know. I don't know, man, at all. I don't know, man. This is the results. Yes. On the field results. So, okay, this is a good point. If your father coached, just the whole staff could cost $20 million right there. Yeah, it could. But again, if you're a big time program, you lost the fan support, people not coming to the game to see this, this product on the field. Alums got enough money. I think there's enough U.S. alums, wealthy alums, that can get this done. Easily. Easily. I know it is. It's enough. <laughs> because if they bring Dana back and the staff back, you know, no changes at all, next year in the Big 12, what reason is there for fans to buy tickets to see the same product going into a better conference next year? There's none. None. But then we got a lot of games, though, too. So we still, at the same time, still have to see how they finish out the entire year. They might go 6-1. and one. They, they actually might happen. It's possible. I, it's not likely. <laughs> no. But you it's know, possible. I, I mean, in the conference, in the AAC, the game against Memphis is make or break. Because I think everybody else on the schedule, besides SMU, Houston should, should, East Carolina tough. East Carolina's tough. That's that's pretty they much got, it. they got some more to yeah, but no, I agree, man. But we said the same thing. Well, we thought the same thing with the with Tech and Kansas, is what I'm saying. Well, but yeah, I'm basing it on that too. I thought they would lose tonight to Tulane. I really did. But I did not realize Tulane was Tulane situation. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't know that. that. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. I know I'm saying even once the game started. Because I well, well the second I, string I quarterback when I saw him I was like yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought we would, we would lose too with if their starter was playing I was predicting and assuming that we would lose the game, but as the game went on like oh they got this backup oh they got the third string I'm thinking yeah. like okay <laughs> we yeah. might be able to do something. <laughs> because the third string quarterback he struggled he until did. until the end last drive he got hot and went well enough to win the game. Like, his first time when he got in there, I was like, oh, this boy might do something. And then they shut him down. Let me post this comment from April, you know, and she says it, it, that she's playing devil's advocate. So I don't think she believes it, actually, but she's putting it out there. Even Bill Yeoman had down years. Maybe calling for Dana's hit is too soon. It's hard to win 10 games year in and year out. Yes, but that's what great programs do. That, that's what they do. No, facts. It's what they do. But at the same time, I did have that thought watching each game. Like, it really is hard to win a game. It, it is. It really is. I don't care what conference you're in, who you play. It's hard to win a game. But 
to hold Houston to the standards to what they're trying to get to, like that's what good programs do. Like right. they win those games. Like they coach well. They don't beat themselves. They do these things and they win those games. But at the same time, I think I, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. We gotta allow him. I'm, that's why I just said we gotta let him finish out the year, see how it goes. Because I mean, especially the defense and, and Doug Belk, all the the praise that he received from last year. And mm-hmm. coming into this season, I, I still think as young as he is, I, I still think it's a lot of promise in him specifically. I don't know about a head coach, but but that's what I'm saying. A lot of that defensive stuff I can't see as a coaching. It's missed tackles and assignment, but and I don't think, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I definitely I don't know. It's, it's we not we not good right now. <laughs> we not good. I'm looking at some of the stats. The offense, Houston's offense had eight penalties for 60 yards. Defense had one for 10 one yards. So, and that was at the overtime, that passing the friends, which wasn't the passing the friends, but Hippolyte. Yep. So nine, nine penalties there. And to add to April's comment, it is hard to win a game. No question. It is, yeah. But the issue is it's Houston's own words. Houston's own expectations. Right. They said we fire a coach for going eight and four. They said they want to compete for championships in the Big Twelve. Right. They that's those their words. You're right. You definitely you're right. So your own words are now biting you in the butt because Dana Hogerson is not getting the job done. It is is it possible they finish the season strong? Possible, yes. Probable. No, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. Yes, these five games, they've gone to overtime three times. But you also have to turn it around and say, well, that means they can't close our games. Yeah. They can't win a close one. That's a problem right there. Yeah. So, and JG, you're correct. Reno did say that. Reno, President Tour did say that. Yes. She said it. She said it a few times. So she has not <laughs> changed from saying that. But I think there are some administrators who also agree with that statement you know when she said it so it's it's just it's tough it's frustrations it's their expectations dana's post-game comments if you're joining us now on lance ridge coos a little late thank you for joining us tuning in We're waiting for andy and, and akif to join from the stadium of more post-game comments coach hogerson did say he owned up to it you know it's on him he's a coach he did not pass the buck like he did last week after last last, last loss. <laughs> so that's a that's a kind of positive. But Houston lost to the third string quarterback. Okay, third and string. They lost to no, a really good coach in Fritz, Coach Willie Fritz as well. A really good coach. Yes, and the team that beat. A Big 12 team who's ranked right now. They beat a ranked Kansas State team who blew out Oklahoma yep. last weekend. So I mean, I know it's a third string quarterback, but this defense has been playing really well all season. Um, two lanes, so we got to give them a, a little bit of credit. But I still think, I mean, from am I not people are not seeing what I'm seeing from the offensive perspective? Like, do we not expect more from the offense? How are we letting the offense off the hook? I mean, like, I'm not seeing enough. Venom and rage were about the offensive performance or lack thereof. I mean, geez. Yep, the offense is struggling. You know, Dana's answer about 
Clayton rushing 14 times a night. Some uh, of that was just extending the plays. Extending the plays. It, right. it might not be – I don't think – yeah, most of probably 10 of that wasn't even called runs. That's just extending the plays. Like, sometimes it is, Clay, dropping eight, so he have an extended play to try to make a play. I, but sometimes it's throw somebody open. <laughs> Make a play, yeah. run the ball. If you're gonna be running, be running efficiently. Like he, he wasn't. Man, I don't know. Because I, I want to say before, uh, on third down in overtime, I forgot yeah. who it was, but there was a Houston receiver open on the right side of the field, wide open. McClayton just locked in on the left side, and incompletion. So then that fumble he had that gave them the momentum to get that first touchdown. That hurt us. Yeah. So it, it's just – we can point to a whole bunch of factors. The thing is um, – and here's a point right here. Many folks never wanted Dana. That, that's true. I'm one of them. Yeah. And he's not a bad coach. He's just average. Yeah. Houston needs greatness for as many fantastic programs. Yes. Yeah. To yeah. if they want to be great, they need a great coach. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Average if, if Houston, and I've seen Sean's comments about the buyouts and factors when we stuck with Dan and all those things. He could be he or she could be accurate. Oh, Kendall Browse would be a good hire. He, if I, they want to be like great, him. Dana Hogerson is not the answer. No, that's no. what we're saying. He, He's not the answer. He's they not. They want to be average. Yeah. They keep Dana around. Be average. Yeah. And uh, have I'm the stadium you. full of opponents, fans, but, you know, not Houston fans. They wouldn't do that. Okay. Stick with that. Yep. But one of the comments is talking about it's Houston opposed to a, a Browse hiring. Kendall would be a good hire. He's the offensive coordinator here for a couple of years. He's, I think he's, he's still at Arkansas, their offensive coordinator, and they're, they're really good. Knows the Texas area, recruiting well. Um, Houston, man, I, man, Dana, he's definitely not the answer. I do think Houston went with the name based off of coming from major Applewhite fans, one of the um, a name that they would recognize that coming from a big conference. But yeah, it's damn, yeah, that last year really put him in a bind, too. Yep, especially extending that 30 minutes in. Let, let us let us make a sponsor, we're going to play a clip from uh, Star Pizza. So here we go with that. We'll come back with more comments and get ready for Indianez and Akib Ghazi to join us as well as James Mueller here on Less Rage Cougs. Thank you for calling Star Pizza. This is Tim. How am I helping you? This is D.A. Jones. I'm calling to order some pizza. Hey, Mr. Jones. Same order as last time? Same order as last time. Okay, and the delivery address? Man, we over on Sac Ave. Sac Avenue? Let me see if we even deliver there. We right here on your map. All right, we'll see you in about 45 minutes an hour. Thanks. Hurry up, we hungry. I'm hungry, man. We eat the best pizza on Sac Ave. I'm okay, though. So we're going to play, thanks to Hoop and Holler, thanks for that commercial. And they're also a sponsor of Less Rage Cougs. Kudos to Andy Yanez for getting sponsor, obtaining sponsors 
to the show, onward and upward, man. And here's the point here. Let me uh, about Kendall Browse. His, his his dad's name is still mud in some folks' eyes at Houston. So I don't know how Aaron Kendall would make those folks come back or turn them away completely. So I, I wonder about that. We'll see. But I have my doubts about that offensively and all the I, hey, I know he can, he can call a great game. We folks thought Dana could too. <laughs> but you know, we're not seeing that here. We shall see. And one issue is I think Coach Kelvin Sampson spoke to the football team, was invited to speak to the football team. One thing that makes Dana look even worse is the success that the men's basketball team is having. So, oh, Justin's going to join us. All right, well, great. From looks like Justin's at the stadium. Um, so men's basketball is rolling. Men's basketball is a preseason top five in almost every major poll, or even semi-major polls. And here he is. So are y'all on the opposite sides of the stadium? <laughs> Andy, you and, you and Justin? I am. Can you guys hear me? We hear you fine. Where's Justin? Justin is right down the side of the field. Um, he's <laughs> over there. You want to bring him in? You just having you just having him look look handsome in the in the studio? <laughs> in the in the green room? Uh, what? We can you bring him in? I can't have yeah, access. I can. to it. Yeah, um, no problem. Hey, Justin, he be coming to you, man. There hey, what's up, guys? Go. How are you? Doing good. If you turn your phone sideways, it'll be full screen, Justin. Okay, oh, there we go. That's I better. Be able to bring people in. Hey, oh my God, this might be our most watched show, most viewed nah, show. Comments been going lot, crazy. Though. Yeah, comments. Oh, comments. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, what a tough loss. Houston falls to two and three. A, a third overtime game of the season. Uh, now another loss. Obviously, the American Athletic Conference opener to Tulane with their third string quarterback in. Yet, yeah, I mean. Coming into the game, if you would have told that Kai Horton for Tulane would have been the starter that played for majority of this game, I think Houston fans would have been feeling confident. Obviously, the Cougars were dealing with the injuries um, with themselves, especially on the defensive side of things. But, man, the offense, I, I, credit to Tulane because their defense was able to do a good job of stifling. But the offense really, really struggled for three quarters of the game, probably much more of that. And then they, they got a couple of flashes late in the fourth quarter. They – you had back-to-back scoring drives, and the defense found itself in a similar position once again where they had a chance to close out the game, and they couldn't do it. They allowed Tulane, uh, led by Horton, to drive down the field and score a touchdown. And then in the first overtime period, the Tulane defense got a stop, made Houston settle for a field goal, and then Horton once again delivered with touchdown passes. And I imagine there's a lot of frustration among Houston fans and uh, coming out of the press press conferences from players from Dana Holgerson, it just seems like they are very, very demoralized um, from the players to Holgerson, top to bottom. Um, we had Brandon Campbell and, and Donovan Mutant speak, um, and that, that's the vibe I got. That's the, the word I could think of. But, Justin, you were there too. What, what, would, what would you say was the vibe I like just from, from Holgerson, the two players? It was this mute, man. Uh, everybody was down, and it was pretty quiet in that room, and Especially uh, when Donovan Mutton was in there, it uh, looked uh, very gloomy and just uh, 
what's the word to put it, but uh, just very down and disappointed. Andy and Justin, I want to ask you, this, I'm putting it out there because we don't know. Do you believe there's a chance that the losses have added to the comment from Coach Hogerson, we need better players? Absolutely. What do you mean by that? Like it's been an effect of it? Did, it, did, it, did that impact the locker room? You know, if you hear your coach say publicly, we need better players. And since then, they're one and two. You know, yeah. And uh, they, I mean, it came to the final second against Rice where it, they were just inches away from potentially losing that game or having that game go to the fourth overtime. I think, you know, kind of not to plug one of our other shows, but Folks Talking Sports, it'll be available at 3.30 p.m. tomorrow, Central Time. Sunday, you Sunday, Sunday. Review. Sunday. All right. Today's yeah, Friday. Friday. I got my days messed up. <laughs> yeah. Today's Friday, Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Central Time, post-talking sports on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. But, but like Will Gibson said on one of our previous shows, I mean, it, it's got to impact, you know, a comment like that. We got to get players, better players. And it's something that he actually kind of, uh, Hogerson kind of reiterated during his radio show this past Wednesday um, leading up to the game where there was a bit of a awkward uh, interaction between a fan and Hogerson where the, the fan brought up Art Bryles and something about the offensive lineman and, and, and Hogerson um, kind of went in and he said he, he had an idea of where the fan was going with that question and then he kind of went on to not necessarily exactly repeat what he said but kind of along the lines you know once we get into the Big 12 we're probably going to need better players up front which again you know the players aren't going to admit it but I, if you hear that from your your leader, the guy that's supposed to be the head coach. And then last week when Dana Hogerson was frustrated with the penalties, he said, I'm not taking responsibility for that. There's just a lot of frustration going over. And to be quite frank, I don't know how it doesn't affect you because you know the players here. I'm going to bring in James Mueller. And guys, we'll see how it fits on the screen. I made this pullback and stand in the back room and, and produce. So we'll see how it goes. James, we're coming to you, man. You ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, James... <clears throat> What are your thoughts on what you saw this evening at TDECU Stadium? Yeah, so to be honest, I didn't see a ton because I was on photography duty tonight. So um, I didn't, I mean, I caught the main glimpses. But again, the biggest thing that stood out, um, I'm sure you all have talked about Dana's comments some already, but the, the lack of the defense's ability to hold its ground in the last three minutes. Dana said it was, a diff, it was different than a two-minute situation, which was against UTSA and Texas Tech. But still, three minutes you got to be able to hold your ground there and seal a game. Um, all uh, two, of th- two of UH's three losses are preventable by doing that, and um, they just can't uh, can't turn things around um, in term- or, and get that stop. And then the other thing that stood out was just uh, the offense again. You know, first half, not much happens really. Um, not much in the third quarter either. Then the fourth quarter comes and they put together two great drives. They look like a completely different offense. And, you know, Brandon Campbell, the running back, was asked about it after the game. He's like, you know, I, I don't know why we're better in the second half. And it's frustrating, but we just are. And they need to find an answer for that as well because you're not like, – like, like we've seen, you're not going to win a lot of games when you're having to dig yourself out of a hole week, out, week in and week out. I'm going to pull, pull yeah, these comments up, you guys. Andy, hold on real quick. I want to get your thoughts on these comments, guys. Um, Stephen Hiller feels like the team has lost our identity. We used to be a program of coaches with something to prove, 
and players with a chip on their shoulder. Not the most talented, but the most passionate team. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's certainly a, a valid critique, especially with the way, I mean, last season we knew what the identity of the team was. It was behind that defense. You know, they created their own identity with Zach Ab, uh up front in the defensive line and kind of the rest of the team kind of build off of that. This year, there, there's nothing even that comes closely remote to that. I mean, the Houston entire team is in shambles. The defense struggles to, to stop opposing teams. The Houston offense can't put together consistent drives, like James said. Um, for much of the game, the Houston offense is pretty much non-existent. And then you know, in the fourth quarter, they managed to put back-to-back drives, but they can't sustain it. In overtime again, they, they get stopped. And you know, Brandon Campbell mentioned it. He said that for whatever reason, they feel like they play better in the second half. And I followed up and I said, well, can you attribute that to something? And you know, he, he thought about it and he, he said he couldn't. He said it's paraphrasing a little bit, but he said something along the lines where I honestly can't explain why that happens and he it could be attributed to second half adjustments but it just seems like the phrase he said is that they play better when their backs are against the wall which it's just it's it's kind of odd and and it goes back to the point where it, it really does seem like a team that's <clears throat> the team that's lost its way and they're trying to figure out something positive and they just haven't been able to do it even with donovan Mewson, he was asked about what the, the atmosphere is like in the locker room and um, it, he had an interesting exchange with Joseph Dorter of the Houston Chronicle where he asked him, you know, how would he expect um, the, the locker room to be? And Joseph went on to describe, you know, gloomy uh, uh, a locker room that's disappointed. And Donovan Mutant said, yeah, you're, you're right on the point. That's how we feel. Um, and, and Mutant's quote, he kind of said it along the lines like, it's not a pretty place where the locker room is right now, but they, they have a choice. It could get better or it could get worse. And it's going to be on the UH players to be able to, determine where it goes so it was just uh it was, overall it was an interesting uh, post-game availability and, and just speaking with Hogerson specifically yeah, it just seemed like he was you know the past few weeks we had clearly felt that he was frustrated it just seems like he's at a he was like at a loss to be honest mm-hmm. just it, 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 there wasn't that extra spark that we've seen that feisty spark that we've seen from the past two three games it was just kind of well, what now? Where do we go from here? That's the vibe I got. And James, just when you guys were there, I'm curious to hear your thoughts if you agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things Mutant talked about was, you know, they're a team searching for answers. And there was a few questions Dana was asked where he was like, your question at the end, and then Chris is at the or one of Chris Baldwin's questions, he was like, you know, I got to go back and watch film. I don't know. Like, they, they don't have the answers. And so... um and that that that's why they're two and three. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, yeah. Justin, what do you think, man? Yeah, once when uh, Hogerson entered, entered that conference room, uh, didn't really have too much to say. I answered a few questions and was out of there. I mean, you know, he would go in deep in detail like last week about, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold accountability. And a couple weeks before about, uh, you know, we got to, you know, the stupid crap and all that. It's didn't really say much and just said, uh, you know, Tulane did good and we didn't do good and he was out. Dan, you got something you want to add? Around it. We, got, we got a lot of comments I want to get to, get you guys' thoughts on. Dan, what, what do you want to say? Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think that some of those late drives for the offense is kind of fool's gold. And then when the defense gives up a drive, at, at the, 
end result, people see like, oh, if we would have stopped them, we could have won the game. But it's a four-quarter game. What about all the stops that the defense got throughout the entire game and offense did nothing with it? And then they hurt themselves with penalty after penalty after penalty on the offensive end. And so I think a lot of that frustration offensively has to be from Dana from his side of the ball. I know he's the head coach, but he's an offensive coach. And, you know, he looks at it like offense is his unit, per se. And so – um, I think that a lot of those second-half drives is a lot of fool's gold. I think offense, especially the quarterback, what are you guys seeing from, from the booth? Uh, do you Are you seeing receivers open? What is what is it Clayton Toon look like in the stadium? Yeah, yeah I'll so, take that first. Oh, no, Justin, go ahead. Yeah, it looked like there was a couple open uh, down towards the game. I mean, there was a – not sure who it was, but it was like down by the sideline. It was pretty wide open, and Clayton Toon just couldn't find him. But – Overall, I mean, not really too much receivers getting open as much, but Clayton Toon has a lot of time back there, and he just holds the ball too long. Yeah. And adding yeah. on to that – or go ahead, Andy. No, I was just going to say, adding on to Justin's point, I mean, there's several times where, I mean, he's holding the ball for three, four, five seconds, and there's a couple of times when receivers, even running backs, get open. And um, it seems like, you know, at least from the booth perspective, you know, we he looks at his – stop one or two routes and if they're not open he kind of starts i wouldn't say panic but he's looking to escape yeah that's the perfect word that's the perfect word actually he started looking for ways to escape um and that really limits to what any bigger plays can be made i mean that that was they was on the first touchdown drive that houston had where they they tied the game and it was a third and four and two lane defenders are swarming um it's clear that he's not going to be able to escape and, and be able to make a play with his leg so he's tries to extend the play. He kind of waits a little bit too long and he throws it. And I'm not, I can't remember if the two lane defender actually hit him or the, the ball came out wobbly. It looked like he was going to get picked into a sea of like two or three two lane players. And then Keyshawn Carter jumped out and he made an incredible play. And it led to that 41 yard. Um, it ended up being a 41 yard play that set up the Brandon Campbell touchdown a few plays later. But that that's just really, that's been kind of the story of the offense where there's, there's flashes, and really, if Clayton Toon is not making plays with his legs, they really struggle. And going back off uh, Andy's point right there, the, the throw to Carter wasn't even – I wouldn't even say it was a good throw. I thought it was going to be picked when I saw it. Um, it was just kind of Carter made the play there. And one other thing I wanted to add was just I feel like Toon's been more timid. There's been opportunities to take shots downfield, but he settled for the check down or the short – or, you know, the receiver five yards. Um not saying there was clear wide open all night where, you know, he's just not doing it, but there's opportunities when he got, when he's got tank or golden one-on-one running, you know, a post route or a go route. Um, and he just didn't take those shots. Let me ask you this game after the game was tied at 21. Houston had three timeouts. They did nothing yeah. on that final drive in the fourth quarter. Ended up 39 seconds. Ended up taking a knee basically because, and they had, had a time, called a timeout, and then got a delay of game penalty, right? You know what happened? Yeah. Yeah. They were penalized. I, I can't remember. Twice. They might have gotten a holding Twice. call after. Yeah, it was a hold. Yeah. Which basically killed any chance of that drive. But yeah, it, especially that was off the back to back drive where they had scored touchdowns. So they had couple of momentums and you know they can do it they have first-hand experience that that 39 seconds is more than enough to drive down the field and at least set up a game-winning field goal but it never really seemed like they were aggressive and I know one of the the one of the call play callers that has been kind of a uh, had a lot of 
criticism from the Houston fans, Shannon Dawson, the quarterback coach that that he's Dana Holgerson on Monday, and James, you can attest to this, kind of talked about the process of what it's like for Dawson calling plays, and that was something that um, Holgerson said started around the UConn game a season ago, and Holgerson said he liked the way that process went just because they leading up to the game, they work together, they come up with all the plays that they're going to uh, have for the game plan against whatever opponent they're playing with, and then Dawson is in charge of calling the plays, and Hungerson said he likes that because it allows him to be free to do more stuff um, when it comes to game days, and he said that he didn't foresee changing that at all um, on Monday, so I mean, that's that's something that fans have pointed out, but that's what Hungerson addressed in terms of play calling, and it does seem like, it does seem like there's there's one Houston offense, and there's two. There's two. There's the one that can't move the ball down the field. They look awful. They get hammered by penalties. And there's one where they, it's in little flashes, but they show that they have some explosiveness. But, I mean, for three quarters of the season, that other offense that can't move the ball has been – that's been the identity for Houston. And here's this another comment. I want to try to get you guys to respond to as many comments we're getting on the uh, in the section on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. What about this one? Doug Belk is calling plays like he has NFL quality corners like he did last year. If he doesn't have this year, which is clear. So what do y'all think about that? I mean, one thing I would say is, yes, obviously, Art Green, Alex Hogan aren't Marcus Jones and Pepe Williams. But I thought they did a solid job tonight for the most part. Um, It's just when the game's on the line. Two lane receivers find a way to get open, and they're not—they're missing tackles. They're not able to, you know, cover up. And then the the pass interference call in overtime was, I thought, was kind of, you know, so-so. I I didn't yeah. have the clearest view, um, but it wasn't like a clear and obvious one. It could have gone either way. But um, yes, the corners have to improve. But I don't think this loss is on the corners because for the most part, I mean, holding him to fourteen points for the first fifty-seven minutes of the game. And one of those points, seven of those points were on a defensive scoop and score. I mean, the defense played pretty well. Um, it's just, you know, when the game's on the line, those last three minutes, they fell apart and then overtime. You made yeah, what you uh, want to say to me. What's that? Who? Me? Damn, what do you want to say? Oh, uh, <clears throat> no, I was just pretty much agreeing with everything that James um, was saying. That he said, I, I don't think that he calls it like he still has uh, NFL corners because they're not on a Nala one on one. That's not they're not on an island <clears throat> that much, and so I don't, I don't, I don't think that was that was um, accurate comment. Do you guys believe that these coaches are good at player development? Just compare that mm. to, I hate to do it, but compare how well known. UH men's basketball is respected for their player development. Let's look at that on the football side. Is I it close, so. the same? I think so, though. I mean, you look at some of the skill position groups that has developed. I mean, a receiver has been able to develop players, linebacker in the past years, defensive linemen, corners. Um, I, I don't – quarterback is the question. Have we been able to develop quarterbacks? That's the question, <laughs> I think. Uh, that's a that's a great question, um, especially you know, Dayon, um, you hit it right on the head when it comes to the tune. Who, when it comes to criticism for tune, it was the comment that Hoverson made entering last season, where he said if he didn't take a step 
forward is going to be on Hoverson. Um, and to to Toon's credit, to Hoverson's credit, it did seem like he took that step. He was much more comfortable, especially after you know having that rough start. He came back, um, and honestly, it that's one of the storylines that was made of towards the end of the season is how the the hamstring injury, I believe that's what was hampering him for the early mm-hmm. part of the season, kind of forced him to not be able to run and escape as often as he does. And it kind of forced him to be much more of a pocket passer. And they saw that improvement towards the end of the season. Well, he's kind of reverted, reverted a lot to what he was doing back in the 2020 and 2019 seasons where if first option's not there, second option's not there, he's anxious and he's ready to escape. And that's that, that, that's a big problem right there. And Dayon hit it right in the head because you you have seen the development, even just going back to last season, um, the players that they, they've been able to, to send to the next level and Demarion Williams, Marcus Jones, Logan Hall, even going back two seasons with uh, Peyton Turner. It's, it's just a program that can develop players. It's just for whatever reason, they can't really figure it out. And this year has been a struggle. It's something that Dana Hogerson himself hit on because coming into the season specifically on that secondary, they felt good about Javarius Owens. They felt good about Art Green. They felt good about Alex Hogan. They felt good about Hassan Hippolyte. It was a lot of the players behind them, a lot of the freshmen, a lot of the transfers. And something Hogerson said, I believe it was about two weeks ago, is that they haven't really been able to see that development in the depth behind them. And that's something that he wished um, had been at a, at a higher, more faster point. And I believe that was leading up to the Rice game. And now they're kind of being forced to be out there from trial by fire because they're having injuries in that secondary. And, I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to get that somehow. It, it, they've shown in the past for whatever reason this season, it's just been different. And, and let, let me say this. Excuse me, James. Let me say ahead. this. After game one of this season, Clayton Toon looks very good. Tough, winner, made it plays. Since then, games two, three, four, and five, I think he's regressed. He does look antsy. I'm not sure what's happened to him. I don't know if he's, if his confidence is shaken or, or what, but something's not, he's not the same as he was in game one. And the way the offense is struggling, he has to be very good slash great for Houston to win ball games. He can be average to less than average for them to have a chance to win. Or at least yeah. just be good. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> at least be good. And, Chris Chris Evans makes a great point. I uh, didn't. We have Captain America on the on the <laughs> chat, but uh, when it comes to no offensive line, I mean that's been the struggle that it's been consistent. That's been the one issue that's been consistent under the Hoverson era for the entire four seasons now that he's been here. As we have a helicopter fly by, so we have we have Hoverson coming to get us to talk to the message. But when it comes to that offensive line position, that's been the biggest question mark for all four years and last season again they had seemed to iron that out uh, they had the same starting offensive line for all 14 games I believe um, which did wonders for what Houston was able to do when it comes to continuity and this season it kind of it's falling apart you know they, it seems like every quarter there's probably about at least two like whether it's false starts holding calls and some of them, it, it's various factors. It could be the Clayton Tunes hanging onto the ball a lot. It could just be that the offensive line is angsty. There's like times where they just hold when they, they don't even need to hold. Um, that's been a big part of it, and that could be a big reason why Tunes feels like after a certain few seconds, it's kind of it's like he has a clock in his head, and the moment it, it 
he has the alarms buzzing that he needs to make a play with his legs. And sometimes he's missing down bigger plays down the field. And if I could add, uh, my biggest thing with Tune is I just think, like Chris mentioned, I think that confidence has just isn't has been shaken. It's not there because to add on to your, you already are talking. You've already hit on you know the shaky offensive line, but you forget you know in the first couple of games, especially drops were a major issue. We saw that tonight again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know you don't know if you're going to be protected, and then it's hard for he's not going to admit this, but it's harder to trust that your guys are going to make the plays when you throw it to them just because the drops have been a major issue. So I think that's another factor that, you know, has played into this. Yeah, I think, I think so too. But um, at the same time, I also believe that, <clears throat> excuse me. I also believe that drops do play issue and confidence also plays the issue, but at the same time, offense gave him time to move the ball. Some of that time he had time in the pocket, three or four seconds. You don't normally get that. Just long two or three seconds, get the ball out. One, two, three reads and get the ball out. You know, another key component who who he misses this year in which he dumped it off to a lot last season, that's Alton McCaskill. That's yeah. one thing we're not seeing a lot of. And we, Well, we did one game with Tejan on him. He had over 100 yards receiving, but he will often have Alton as the safety blanket. But I think a lot of times, specifically in this game, he had time to throw the ball. He had three or four seconds. He was really just antsy in the pocket. He would look to run and also take, often take the wrong step instead of going the other way and extending the play. And then some of those holding penalties, um, I think it's just – Maybe when he tries to get out of the pocket and the defense changes their direction and the offense tries to hold on because he's end up going one direction or another. But too many penalties. That's the main thing from offensively and the offensive line specifically is way too many penalties. False starts. That gets up behind the, the chains. And then it's second and long, third and long, and obvious passing situations in which they can't stay ahead of the change and be in manageable third-down situations to sustain drive. So that's how they're also – I'm hurting themselves on the offensive end. Well, Dayon, they Houston. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm going to uh, read some stats. Clayton Tune tonight, 22 of 33. He was 7 for 10 of screen passes or passes behind the line of scrimmage. 4 for 6, 1 to 5 yards in passes, short passing, mid-range passing, 9 for 14 for 92 yards, deep passes, 15 plus. He was 3 for 4 for 77 yards. That's that's four looks beyond 15 yards. That's not a lot of deep threats. You don't even call those deep threats. Only four looks down the field. Especially when you have a playmaker as, as dangerous or as explosive as Nathaniel Tankell. Um, but one one other point I did want to mention today on kind of brought up when it comes to the penalties. Houston, they hit a milestone in a positive direction, if you can call it that. So for the first time this season, they did not have 10 Penalties yeah, all nine. accepted. <laughs> just by one. You, you just I already said it. I said it before you guys. I said it earlier. Yeah. I said it before you joined but, us. Yeah. Now they, they did have ten penalties because one of them was declined on a holding that Tulane got to stop. So uh, but on paper they finally got that milestone. But that, that's another problem and that goes back to the discipline mistakes that um, they're just shooting themselves in the foot and it's it's been the conversation for the past three weeks. One great point that Justin brought up. Um, the Holgerson trademark, he didn't say it in this press conference, So, uh, but the stupid crap is what Holgerson has been saying for the past three, four weeks now. I've lost count how many times he said it, uh, but it, it just goes back to that issue, and the players have acknowledged it. Um, I, 
believe it was DeAnthony Jones who said it leading up to the game that they were policing it in practice. They were holding each other accountable, but it still seems to be a recurring issue. And um, now this just you don't know where the the team goes from here. Now they're all in one in conference play. Um, they're gonna travel up at Memphis next week. That's gonna be a tough game in in Memphis, and then they have a bye week before they have to start again at Navy. That's the way things have gone. And coming off that post game press conference, honestly, I'm I agree with Donovan Mute what he said. The team has to figure out whether it's going to get better or worse. But if you have to ask me right now, I have no confidence that they can get it better. And that's just because of what they've shown on the field. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, ask all of you Friday, next Friday, 630 Central Time, ESPN 2 at Memphis. Will Houston win? Or will they go to 1-1 one one in conference or will they be 0-2? Justin? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think we're going to go to Memphis with a win. I mean, just the way they've been playing with the penalties and unable to move the ball on offense. And when they do move the ball on offense, they take a one step forward and then ten steps back with the penalties. Uh, I just I just don't see it. James? Uh, yeah, I, I say it's an 0-2 start. If you look on ESPN right now, it's already given Memphis a 64% chance to win that game. So, Andy? No, I agree. Um, there's nothing that instills confidence for Houston to be able to, especially to be able to go on the road in a in a tough environment that is Memphis. Some at times, I'm not sure how the crowd will look like, um, but there's there's nothing about Houston that screams confidence. Dayon, Brandon Campbell did say they play best with their backs against the wall on the road. Maybe they bring a good game, but I'm uncertain. I don't, I don't have the confidence that they will do it or can do it. But at what point do you look at some of your younger quarterbacks? So, yeah, that leads into my next question and get to King's question. Tayshon Henry's ankle gave me problems again, so can, can I stay healthy? But yeah. Andy, Justin, James, if Houston loses at Memphis 2-4 and four, overall, 0-2 and two in conference, Will it be time to start playing another another quarterback? I think you got to at least consider it. And right now they have Holman Edwards as the number two quarterback. Um, I think Ikebagu is three, and obviously the the quarterback that everyone would probably like to see more would be Lucas Cooley, who um, by all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure he won't play this season. But I think you two at two and four with zero oh and two in conference play. I think you got to at least look at it because we know this this is it for Clayton Toon. He's not going to be back next season. Um, you at least got to see what, what's out there at quarterback. James? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this. They're not going to make a change because um, <laughs> Dana's stuck by Clayton his whole time um, through the good and bad. And so I see no reason that they're going to make a change. That doesn't mean, like, they shouldn't consider it like Andy said, but – I would be shocked, utterly shocked, if Clayton Toon is not the quarterback throughout the remainder of the season, um, assuming he doesn't get hurt, of course, regardless of if they go finish, you know, 0-7 or 7-0 and in their last uh, seven games. Justin? Yeah, I don't see them replacing Toon this season, you know, in his senior year, in his fifth senior year, but 
it would have to be like really bad performance throughout the next few weeks for him to be replaced. I mean, he would have to throw like at least a couple interceptions a game and something like that. But I, I think he's going to be remain the quarterback for the rest of the season. Do you guys have an issue with the fans booing the team? Not at all. I, I, I will caveat. I don't think they're booing the players so much so that they're booing the coaching staff and Dana Holgerson. I see. I, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I think. There was. I was on the field for most of the game, taking pictures. There was multiple fire Dana chants. There was fire the OC wow. chants. Um, to the crowd's credit, I will say it wasn't a great crowd, but they were loud, and the student section was like eighty percent full. So, I'll, I'll, I'm quick and to criticize the crowds. So. Yeah. I'll give them credit for that. The people that showed up, especially the students, made noise. But I can confirm that there was, you know, a lot of it was directed at the coaches with those, you know, fire Dana, fire the OC, things like that, chance. And I, I'll just add on real quickly to, to that point. Um, actually, the quarterback argument that we were talking about just a second ago. But I, I agree with James. I mean, Dana Holgerson doesn't seem like a guy that's going to make you know, groundbreaking changes. We I just talked about it when it came to Dawson. Um, he said he liked the way that's being play called. He doesn't see any reason for that to change. Um, if he won't change the play caller, he's not going to change the, the play caller on the field. He's certainly not going to do that with Toon. So I agree with James. I, unless if Dana's not here, I don't think that's changing. Okay. For you three guys, we're going to – Dan and I talked about it earlier – President Couture, we fire coaches, go eight and four. He's got one more win, one more loss. Houston has to go six and one to get to eight and four. Do y'all believe Houston won't go six and one to get to eight and four? Mm. I don't think well, so. Really, he's got to go seven and oh to keep to be better than eight and four, right? Right. So, no. Uh, again, there's just nothing about this Houston team that instills confidence. And um, it's it really tough to say just with all the momentum they had coming into the season. But I just – there's no way. I don't see it. Again, after that, that post-game press conference, there's nothing about this roster that instills confidence. Justin? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's really going to be – it has to be a drastic change in that locker room. But from the mood tonight and the press conferences, I, I just don't think so. James? Uh, I think it's unlikely. We'll have to see. Next week will be very telling. Um, if they're able to, you know, show some life and show some fight, then there's a possibility. But one other thing I wanted to bring up was the Couture comment didn't make sense in the first place because, like, after last season, Dana – I mean, they won 12 games, but he's, like, four games over 500 in his first three years at UH, and it took a 12-win season to do that, and they gave him an extension. Like, it's not like he's been going eight and four better each year. Right. He, was he had time. Yeah. bad seasons, and it took a 12-win season to get him a couple games over 500. So, Yeah, I think their first season was like, okay, we understand. Then the COVID year, and then last year, I mean, they had the good year, so it was a little bit of leeway up in there as far as Hogerson. But um, I got a, another question um, for the panel. Do, do you guys think that um, – even if they do or they don't reach that, what what direction? Do they keep Dana or should they? We know the buyout. We talked about it earlier, and they're raising a lot of money for the rise. But if you want to get to the standard with UH, that's a good point that Chris made earlier. Fans aren't making these false um, uh, um, false 
statements. It's UH saying that they want to be a high power program, that they want to do this, they want to do that. And to do that, you have to sometimes spend a lot of money to inquire really good coaches. I mean, I can start on that one. I think it's going to be very hard because they would need that buyout support. And I know Andy a couple of weeks ago reported at the uh, Bayou Bucket Luncheon that Rice raised three times the amount for an autographed football, correct, than UH from the boosters? Yeah. Rice yeah. football. Six times. Or six three, times? 3,000 to 500. 3,000. Yeah. Oh, so 3,500. tell that story, James. So, yeah, at the, at the Bayou Bucket Luncheon, they were giving away these autographed good collective footballs that were leading up to this game um and i think they were both autographed by i'm not sure if just one was autographed by mike bloomgren or if they were both autographed by hogerson and bloomgren but anyway long story short the rice ball went for three thousand dollars i believe if i remember correctly around that ballpark of three thousand dollars the houston ball barely got to a thousand and it was really i mean no one wanted to put the initial five hundred dollars to start the bid so it just gradually got to thousand and I mean, those are a lot of the the supporters when it comes to, you know, the high-end um, Cougar pride and stuff like that. If they weren't willing to, to buy in with the Houston program on stuff like that, and I, I think some of those proceeds were going to be going to charity as well, both for, like, a good cause, um, I, it's hard for me to see someone. It has, if it's going to be a buyout, it has to be from the top. And by that, I, it had likely has to be for T, uh, Tillman Fertitta um, or someone with – enough pull to be able to do it if it's not for Tita, i don't see it and i still i really feel like they hamstrung themselves giving overson an extension after the the one season um a year ago now some of it might have been due to contractual ab- obligations after Houston joined the big 12 but uh, i think it, it is in a tough position but at the if they completely lose the, the locker room and james you made up a great point or you brought up a great point when it comes to however they look against Memphis next week it might end up being determining what the the administration does because if they look lost, if they look defeated, if they get ran out the field in Memphis that might be the final nail in the coffin but who knows How, how about fire coordinators if they, if you Houston cannot afford to fire Dana which I think is, is a cop out if you want to be a big time program but fire the OC and the DC yeah, you have to do one of those, like especially the play co- play calling with Dawson. It has not looked good at all this season. James. Yeah, I mean, Dawson. I think Dawson would be the first move compared to Belk, just because you know Belk's been seen. And obviously, the defense hasn't performed up to its standards this year. But Belk, you know, last year was mm-hmm. like one of the final eight for national assistant coach of the year. He's shown some promise, um, and you know, some things. Obviously, he, I mean, you can't put it all on him. There are things he needs to do better, but, you know. Um, but Dawson, the thing that concerns me with Dawson, though, is what Andy talked about is, you know, he said he has his – Holgerson's been like he has his full for, uh, support. He even said that he considers Dawson one of the most elite play callers in college football. So, I don't see him <laughs> Okay, double which, down on that, Dawson. Yeah, which gets to a point. The results do not justify that comment. The offense has struggled most of this season. The offense is boring, dull, underperforming. So, 
if Dana doesn't fire Dawson, then what? Should Dana take over the offense? Or the higher-ups say, Dana, if you don't fire Dawson, you got to go too. Because we're getting to a point, based on the reaction from majority of fans who are tuning in, they're not going to buy money to see this same product next year, being a Big 12 or not. Because Mm -hmm. the losses, what could happen next year in the Big 12 could be beatdowns. Much worse. Much worse than what we're seeing right now. So it's, it's a struggle right now for fans to come to the game. If the fans are frustrated with, with uh, the product on the field and the coaches, and that same product returns next season, then why are the fans going to spend their money to see the team get beat down in the Big 12? Do y'all think that Dana has lost the locker room? That's the question we got. We're trying to. We we don't know the answer to. I think we'll find out on Friday on when Friday. they play Memphis. I think, however they look, if they come out, they show fight. They they um, they win, or or there's there's still sign of life in them. I think that shows that if it's not Dana, there's someone in that coaching staff, or maybe their players are just playing for for each other. But there's still some level of buy-in. To the program, and if they look lost, if they look, um, you know, like I said, if they get run out of the field, that that shows that they aren't. He's lost them, and I think that that's why it might it might be a pivotal game for Dana Holgerson and that staff. When just mentioning the coordinators, it's honestly surreal where the fall from uh, Doug Belk from where he was a season ago with the, the touted rated defense. Um, the identity they had built with the program, and now there's a lot of fans that have turned uh, real quickly. So I know this, this is college football, but you know, when it comes to the pro level, yeah, they like to use the, the NFL fans for not for long. Well, that, that applies for the college world as well because, man, and after they just gave um, Belk that extension as well um, to be able to keep them, they felt like they had the places, pieces in place, and it just has been the complete opposite. I think the seeds of doubt have been definitely planted in the players' minds um, because even though Dana, you know, apologized on Monday for his comments, like, you know, not taking responsibility for saying he wasn't going to take responsibility in the first place, the players heard about that, I guarantee you. The week before saying we need better players, the players heard about that. So even if they're winning, um, there's still some doubt when the head coach is making comments like that. And, you know, I'm – I'm not sure how to how to put this. Uh, with Dana, one of the one of the reasons Dana was brought in was people believe Dana would stay at Houston. You know, it's like his you want to call it his dream job or whatever. He wouldn't leave for for another job. That's one of the reasons people believed in hiring him because they were Houston was tired of losing coaches to other programs. You know, th- that kind of issue. I don't know if schools are coming knocking down the door. They're coming get them anyway. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. West Virginia is not sad that he left. He didn't. He didn't leave, in, you know, them in great standing. So the issue is, can you afford to keep him? Because if you're losing fan support, people stop coming to the games. Right now, the fans care enough that they're pissed off. 
Well, I got a name for you guys. NFL coach right now who probably will get fired, Cliff Clingsbury. With the Cardinals. That, Maybe. That'll get butts and seats. That'll get, that'll get high powered off. Butts and seats. <laughs> and seats. He's recruiting from the state of issue, Texas. Right. That's, that's a good day. The issue yeah. is what yeah, if the fans, like, if they keep Dana, what if the fans become indifferent and stop caring at all? You know, just don't bother showing up and just wait until this. Just Andy, Dion, <laughs> just tell us when basketball season is. Just, just, yeah, they don't care about Which football. They've already started showing signs of doing that. See? Right. Multiple comments already. See, that's, that's the concern. If they bring him back for another season and this same product is on the field, fans would be like, October 15th or <laughs> whatever, whenever the date is, we'll just wait till basketball season starts. Because we know that we believe in that coaching staff and what they can do in the Big 12. We believe in them. What if that's the issue? What, what if you get to that point, buy out $9 million to get rid of the whole staff, maybe $20 million total, all that kind of stuff. But if people stop caring about your program, stop talking about your program, no money's coming in whatsoever, then what? You can't afford to keep it. Yeah. I, I certainly think that that's, that's a great point. And Houston, the administration, at the end of the day, they're, they're the ones that have to make that call. And they have to cut their losses. As, if they can cut their losses while they can right now, they have to make that decision. Um, but it's, it's going to be a tough one. But, but what the buyout is, what, Chris, we, we mentioned in folks. Talk it's 11 about plus four, by the end of this 11. year and 9.3 or so starting January 1st. And then add on whoever you're going to bring in to replace them. It's going to be a right. huge investment. So it, it's such a tough position. But I think especially with the way the season's gone, where the, where the players seem like, it's, it's leaning towards that direction. I will say they actually – their jerseys look good tonight. Those were pretty good. <laughs> they looked well. They looked good while they were uh, – so you know, moving on with you. That, that, that's the question. And let me say, folks who, who listen to me, follow me on Twitter, on, on Houston Rombard Review YouTube channel, on our show, Folks Talking Sports, I'm not a Dana fan. Haven't been, period. You know, they went 12-2 and two last year playing a soft-ass schedule. <laughs> but, but he won those games, okay? So you play who's in front of you, okay? This schedule was soft. Conference play, I mean, it seemed like they, just, they, they took the AC for granted, but then they lost at Texas Tech. They struggled against UTSA. You know, and they got waxed by Kansas. That, that was the eye-opener right there. Kansas just steamrolled Houston. Okay, Kansas football. Not Kansas basketball. Kansas football steamrolled Houston that opened my eyes and I think opened up a lot of fans eyes but Andy James you know I wasn't high on this team this season to begin with I laughed at these high rankings preseason I'm like are you serious based on what some of them had them top 10, top 10. <laughs> one of them Tim, Tim Brando <laughs> you know so we're seeing Dana and the team and, and we're gonna find out I think Friday at Memphis if Dana has lost the locker room based on how they look the performance 
Because then it's a bye week after that, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Maybe changes will happen after that. After they're doing that bye week, personnel, you know, coaches' roles change, things like that. But we'll see because they got to do something to bring life back to the fans, give fans reason to believe in the program. Because right now, what was it? The announcement was yesterday. Another five million dollars going to Houston Rise and. Mm-hmm. Why are you why are you spend the money on this product? Why are you why 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 should more folks continue to invest in Houston Rise for this? That's got to be a question too, because we want as alums to have a football facility constructed. We believe it's beneficial for the program. Correct? Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Well. If Dana's lost the locker room and this team tanks the rest of the season, and by tanking, I mean maybe go back to five and seven. If that happens, what incentive is it for other folks who have money, wealthy alums, to say, how much do you need? Yeah. Count on me. I'm going to, I don't like Dana Hogerson, but I'm going to give you $5 million. Yeah. Is that going to happen? Is that likely? I don't I see mean, it. I don't see it. So that goes to the issue as well. If you still want to get the building constructed, and that is a goal, some of these wealthy folks might be, yeah, I'll, I'll give you money. I'll contribute, but that man got to go. I'm not well, going to support this if he's still here. And that's how Texas boosters are a different beast because – they back it up with the money, and they put pressure on the administration like, hey, if this coach ain't doing it, we'll put the money behind it. He got to go. And if UH want to get to um, – I know Texas is not back, quote-unquote, but they, they they still in the conversation of getting the best players and being a top-notch program. And the other thing these boosters might do is, you know, like these donations have been specified, you know, for the football operations center. They might be like, okay, put this towards the Guy B. Lewis second floor development for the men's yeah. and women's basketball team. Do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm putting my money towards that because um, Kelvin Sampson is a proven winner. And yeah. um, if I'm giving my, if I'm going to support my university, I want it to go to something that I know will pay off. So, I mean, that Houston, the administration might get to that point. Okay. The wheels have not fallen off completely yet. The car is wobbling. Okay. I mean, I think one tire is blown. I'm not sure. The other three might be a little leaking air. But. You have all the alarms, all the sirens, all the check engine lights. Yeah. The check engine lights coming on. Friday's game at Memphis. And, man. That's the sixth game of the season, and to say it's make or break, six games in, but that's what this team could be looking at. And it could be make or break for a lot going forward because folks might lose interest in the program. Because if they lose to Memphis, 0-2 in the conference, if they win their last six games, no one's going to care. Six and two in the American a lot of UH fans don't care about the American anyway. <laughs> so, and then that's without playing Cincinnati. Yes. Or UCA. Yes. So they could go 6-2 and two and somehow, somehow, still qualify for the AAC title game 
in that case, it'd be on the road and lose. No one thinks they're going to beat Cincinnati if they happen to get there again. No one thinks that. No. Here we are. I mean, that's that's where we are, you know. And I'm I'm an old alum. So you add all that that concerns the issues with the tried and true concern. Not enough fans come to see Houston play. Come. That comment come right there says yeah. it all. Houston fans are progressive, creative, and practical. Since the <laughs> season is over, fans now are just going to focus on their personal lives because that is what really matters. <laughs> JG Nelardo right there with the – I mean, honestly, it's facts. Um, and that Kansas game kind of – well, really, even going back to the Texas Tech game, that fourth and 20, that, 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 that play, play. That play that, is a defining play of the season. You get that yep. stop, fourth and 20, you head back, you're 3-0, and you're feeling confident. Um, I know it's going to be – it would have been 3-0. It would have been a tough Kansas game. Um, but that that's kind of been the changing point right there. Um, and now it's kind of just there. The season's just there. That That is an opinion that a lot of fans share. I mean, honestly, they shared it after after that Texas Tech loss where they felt the season was over because the New Year's Six Bowl was out the window in a lot of fans' eyes. And now that they've lost three games, it certainly is out the window now and it's going to be an uphill battle to it's honestly it's going to be an amazing turnaround if they can somehow get back to the american athletic conference championship game which like i've reiterated the entire show i don't there's nothing that instills confidence for them to believe they can do that and if you if you don't mind i want to play hogo's comments again for folks yeah, who, go ahead. who haven't who are joining us now so here we go uh, post game comments from coach dana hogerson after tonight's loss to tulane there's not plan to go around. I mean, offense clearly didn't do enough. You know, defense gave up another drive at the end. Special teams uh, missed a couple of field goals. All three sides right there. You know, we battled. Uh, you know, just find a way to win. Dana, a game like this, it, you know, a few can you misuse, are they, are they magnified, you know, the margin for error, not that, you know, high? Yeah, I mean, I just mentioned it. I mean, there's not blank to go around. I mean, offense could have done better and moved the ball a little bit better. Um, you know, we fumble it and give them a touchdown. Um, you know, we could have found a way to win this, and we did. Yeah, it falls on me. Uh, coach has got to coach better. Starts with me. Players got to play better. That's on me, too. So, uh, it's, it's a third overtime game for five weeks. I've never seen anything like it. You know, it's not like the other two weren't close to So, tough. It's very tough. Next question. Dana, um, is, is Clayton running too much, or is, is that just the only play he has sometime? I mean, how, how do you sort of... Playing ball, when they dropped eight, didn't have a lot of guys open. Uh, so it's his job to keep it alive. You know, how many of those were designed runs? A couple, but everybody has designed quarterback runs. Key situations, you know, that's the best way to gain a hat to be able to move the chains. You know, uh, he, he scrambles a good bit. Um, why? I mean, they, they were going to drop. They dropped a lot. And 
they did a good job of governance. I think they're pretty good on defense. Dana, the, the defensive alignment there at the end of regulation, do you I don't know, obviously you don't want to give up the big play and, and they sort of at times nickel and dime it or they you know they, they make plays, but did, is there anything that's done differently after three times or did you feel like it's that's that wasn't a one minute offense. That was just that was a three minute drive. The other ones that you're talking about, which nobody's more sick about this than me, the other ones were true two-minute. I mean, this was just a normal drive. I mean, there's three minutes. Um, we played normal defense. We didn't get into our two-minute defense because we didn't have to. They made some plays, and we didn't. Fortunately, they scored. Next question. Tayshawn there. Um... Ankle again. One or two more. Dana, did you did you think at all about uh, Chip deferring in that, that overtime, or is that more just going to the left? Okay, we don't, we don't need to bring this back up. Uh, you can blame it on me if you want to, because we took the ball at the end of the day. When you have the ball, you need to get first downs and score in the red zone. And when you don't have the ball, you need to not let them score a touchdown. We didn't either. Dana, uh, you mentioned just Clayton too, just going out there and making plays, but at times it, it seems like he's running up too much. Do you feel like, is it just the receivers not being able to be open? Is it blocking or is it just you know the defense is making great plays? Well, if I knew that, I'd figure it out. Uh, I'll watch the video and try to figure it out. One more. Would you like to discuss the uh, push-off that was a call at time drive? Yeah. I'm not blaming it on them, but I don't I don't know what pass interference is. I think Hips was pass interference either. And we get we, we get called for that, they don't. Well man, that that answer. Um, Chris, what are you gonna say? I mean that 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 comment sounds kind of like a woe is me like the refs are picking on us kind of kind of mindset. I mean, Tank Dell pushed off in games this season to get open. <laughs> you know, I mean, push, shove, gently nudge, wh- whatever you want to call it. I mean, hey, that's part of football. Ref calls it, sometimes ref does it. So I, I just, stuff like that. He owned up more this tonight in this postgame than he did last week. That's good. But the, the team is just down, mentally down. And Friday's game against Memphis, we'll see what they got left. We'll, we'll see if, if they, they on, if they perform well with their backs against the wall. We're, we're going to find out. Could I add one thing to yes, sir. The, the question Andy asked at the end when, you know, he was basically like, I don't know, I got to watch film. One thing that concerns me or like strikes me as odd in that is – a lot of these problems aren't new. They've been here the whole time. This is the fourth out of fifth game. They haven't scored in the first quarter. Right. Like, it's not like it just popped up tonight. Like, they still haven't figured that out. Like, there's no even, like, glimpse of idea. Like, that that just doesn't make sense to me. Cause that's coach. That's coaches speak, James. If this was any other job and they asked you that, and they'd be, well, if you, don't, if you don't know what's going on, then you're out of here. If it was any other job in the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
I mean, there's there's nothing much you can uh, say with that. Like you you hit it right in the head, James. Like these these are not new problems. They've been issues all season long, um, and that's a big reason why the offense struggled. And honestly, maybe they really don't just know because even Brandon Campbell, he I followed up with a similar question about you know why he feels that in the second half they performed better. He said he he just he couldn't give a specific answer. So honestly, maybe they just don't know. And that's a that's a concern. That should be red flags for the administration. <laughs> yes. If they don't know what's going on, that should be right there um, a good sign of where the program is, which is. So, so, I mean, you know, five games in, you don't know the problems, why you're having problems, why you can't fix the problems. That's a concern. And we're going to see. I mean, it really is. It might just be make or break. Yeah. This Friday against Memphis might be it. I, I mean that truly. Yep, I, I saw I saw it and I got on up to it. I've said the previous less red Cougs. What about the tight end Trey? Well, he dropped the ball today, so they went to him and he, and he didn't come through. So that's that's on him. They made it a point of eff- emphasis of trying to get him involved in the game, and I'm I'm looking at these stats that they gave us. I'm. I'm pretty sure he had a nine-yard catch uh, during the game, so they might be, uh, they might be off, or maybe I was just off. But they they targeted him a lot of more times. He, there was a, was and there was a lot of times when they, he and two weren't able to connect. Um, but that, they make a great point just when it comes to the offense because all season long it's been Tank Dell, and then there's a significant drop off um, when it comes to the receiving core. Sam Brown had a couple of catches. He had four catches. Keyshawn Carter made the, the play of the game with, well, the play of the game for Houston on the offensive side of thing when it comes to the the big catch that he got for the 41-yard play. And then Matt Golden had two catches for 32 yards. But that's that's not going to cut it. It's like Tank Dell had eight catches. The next receiver was Sam Brown with four. And then Keyshawn Carter with two and Matt Golden with two. And maybe Christian Trahan with one. Um, and looking at the stats, it looks like uh, the stats say Trahan was targeted seven times. Yeah. Yeah, they made it. It, look, it was certainly a point of emphasis to get him involved. He just couldn't come up. Yeah, so one catch. Yeah, one catch, nine yards, eight yards. Yeah, eight yards after the catch. It looks like Dan wanted to say something. I don't know if he was, was muted. Say, like James said earlier, though. When you get one-on-one coverage on Matthew or these other receivers, you got to give them a chance. I mean, they can't throw the ball to themselves. You can look at the end of numbers, what they ended with, and sometimes they not tell the story from a receiver's yeah. perspective on um, the game. Trahan did miss out on a lot of his opportunities he had tonight. But other receivers often in this game, one-on-one coverage, they just don't really have many opportunities down the field. Yeah, go right. Two uh, targets. Down. Yeah, two targets for Golden, only three for Carter, and five for uh, Brown. Uh, and he caught four of the five passes. So. And that that's from the receiving standpoint. I mean, yeah. we can go down the list. But. It's, I mean, they're finding different ways to lose. Okay? Yes, situation football. Right. And that's, different and that's, ways you know to lose what? in similar situations. Th- that's what... A losing team does. Good slash great teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. And Houston at two and three, that's what they are. 
they're not a good team. You know, Dana can say, yep, we've been in overtime three times. All the games have been close and the wins. But what that says to me is you can't win close games. Nick Saban, <laughs> Nick Saban, when it came out and said, it's X, Y, and Z, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing this. We need to do this better. So that's that's where we are. So, Andy, you, you can decide how much more you want to go on the show because the fans are, are no. still rolling with the comments. So it, I mean, it's, the it's fans are rolling. We, we, yeah. we, could go, we could go all night. We're getting close to midnight, but I, I did want to do one final plug, and that's for um, one of our sponsors in Hoop and Holler, the – Houston Semi Collective, they're the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, the, the Anthony Jones commercial that you saw during this show. Uh, so big, huge props to Hoop and Holler uh, for being a sponsor on the show. And of course, major props to our primary sponsor in the Saxonian family. Uh, Chris, thank you for being able to, to be the connection that set that up. Um, our second primary sponsor of the season, they, the Saxonian family will speak with us when it comes to football for the next four games now. Um, that this first show has been, and they will also be the sponsor for the first five Let's Rage Crew shows of the men's basketball season that starts off November 7th inside the Fertitta Center on a Monday night against Northern Colorado. That might be what a lot of Houston fans are looking towards. But, Chris, you hit it right in the head. I mean, we, we can go down um, the, the stats overall. Brandon Campbell um, was the top running back for Houston. He finished with 66 rushing yards. He had a touchdown. Clayton Toon was second on the team for rushing. He had 56 yards. Stacy Snead had a couple of nice runs. I mean, he only carried the ball six times. He was able to get 30 yards on it. So he had a pretty decent game. And uh, we heard uh, Hogerson in that clip. Tejon Henry uh, had to leave the game with another ankle injury. And like you said, Chris, very unfortunate uh, for, for him because he just can't hasn't been able to stay healthy this season. A lot of planes flying over TDCU Stadium. It's a good signal, um, just where the program. I'm, I can't be in the locker room, but a lot of the Houston staff might be wanting to be on one of those planes right now. But just in terms overall, so to put a ball on it, we'll go around the, the room. But we, we've kind of looked ahead of Memphis. There's not really a lot of confidence that they, could, they can go in there and, and beat the Tigers. But for we'll stay positive. We'll, stay, we'll end on a positive note. If Houston can turn it around, what is the one thing that they – well, not the one thing. What are the things that need to be done for them to be able to find that success starting against Memphis and as they continue and the rest of the conference schedule? I'll go and first. I, I, there you go. They need Clayton Tune to be, be uh, aggressive and confident, be uh, more impactful for the team. The Cougs ran the ball 48 times tonight. 48, Clayton Toon threw the ball 33 times. 48 to 33. That's, that's an issue there. 14 of runs were from Clayton Toon. Yep. They averaged 3.6 yards per carry. That's not good enough. They had more rushes and passes in every quarter. All four quarters, including overtime, so five sessions. More rushes and passes every quarter. That's that's not aggressive offense to me. Yeah. Aggressive play calling. Yeah, I know they were playing eight, you know, back and all that kind of stuff. Still, that seems to me you're allowing the opponent to dictate to you. Well, if you're supposed to be such an offensive genius, should you be dictating to the opponent? 
But for the coup turnaround, Clayton Tune has to be better. Great. James? I mean, they. I talked about this last week, but just I want to see 60 minutes of sound football. They don't have to go out there and score every single possession or get a stop every single possession, but you can't win a bunch of games when it comes, you know, 10 minutes out of the 60-minute game, you're playing great, and the other 50, you're just completely outmatched. Put together a solid 60 minutes of football, and once that happens, then then you'll give yourself – put yourself in a much better position to win. Justin? Yeah, they just got to play better on offense. They got to move the ball down the field, and they just got to be disciplined with the penalties. And I'm not sure if we're going to see that or not, but, uh, you know, stay disciplined on the line and be able to give some holes uh, for those running backs. But And Tune's got to play better. But I just really don't see much going to next week, but it's about <laughs> Chris Evans right there. See, everybody's uh, frustrated. <laughs> Justin's Justin's frustrated. <laughs> Dana, what 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 will it take for Houston to turn it around? I think just play complimentary football. Um, offense has a compliment to defense. Defense has to compliment the offense. When the offense is struggling, defense has to get stops to get the offense back the ball, and they have to execute drives to keep the defense off the field. So they just got to work well together, complement each other well, and kind of like to James' point, play a, a full, sound football game where you don't hurt yourselves, don't beat yourselves, whether it's penalties or just giving up third and 20 plays, just – uh, situational football, play complete football, and complimentary football. That's what I would say. Andy, you got it. No, I mean, all, all the points that you guys have made, you guys have hit it right in the head. I think the, the biggest thing for Houston, I mean, they just got to come on. They got to be aggressive from the start, from the first quarter. Um, there's been so many times, and again, going back to what Campbell said, he can't exactly pinpoint why that's the case in the second half. It seems like they are able to find something. Um, and in this game, it took until the fourth quarter for them to be able to find something. Uh, maybe they do just like to play with their backs behind against the wall, and this is it. And if they lose to Memphis, they fall to 0-2 in the conference play, heading into the bye week at 2-4. and That's just not – it's going to be really, really unlikely that they can turn it around. So that that's what I'm looking forward to most. If they can come out against Memphis, be aggressive, take shots. I mean, at the end of the day – and what, what's the point right there? You know, if you can't push the ball on the, down the field, I mean, for the most part, it hasn't really been turnovers that have killed them. You know, you're not like Clayton Toon's throwing pick after pick after pick. It's not like the running backs are fumbling, although Toon did have the, the one fumble there. But that, that came on a broken play where he was trying, where Toon was trying to make a play. I think they just need to be more aggressive. And whatever happens from there, you'll live with it. We shall see. Always fun having talking these uh, less rage coups with the fans. Um, we're going to do it again next Friday. So tune in yeah, and, and bring yes, your sir. comments, and, and we'll see if it's a coup win or a coup loss. So, Eddie, you, you close it out. It's your show. For sure. That's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Coups. We'll go around the table. Thanks, James Mueller, Justin Barbosa, Dayon Dunlap, and, of course, Chris Gardner for – um, allowing us to use your channel uh, and platform on StreamYard to be able to stream this show. It looks like this is, this is the most people we've had live, so to be able to tune into a show, 
Um, so that's going to be, hopefully, I mean, we're going on to better and better things as this goes on. And it's been such a tough season just in terms of what the football team is coming in with the expectations and how the season has, has progressed. But we're not going anywhere. We're going to stick. We'll be back here on Friday and we'll be back the two weeks after that, after the bye week. And then uh, we'll continue into the men's basketball season. So thank you guys all for being able to join into this journey. Um, be sure to follow the pod slam Jamma. Chris will be the head coach and we could all be coordinators. We go where Chris <laughs> goes. Um, but when it comes to uh, the pod slam Jamma YouTube channel, which I already have the Dana Hogerson clip posted there. So if you want to hear it again, haven't been able to tune in for whatever reason, maybe you're just tuning in. Be sure to check that out. Last time I checked, we were at 253 subscribers in the past three weeks, which I mean, we're over the 25% goal that the road to a thousand is there. Um, we're hoping to get that as quick as possible. And we've done it in just three weeks. So that's amazing that we've been able to get more than 25% of that in just three weeks. So be sure to check that out. That's P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on YouTube pod, Slam Jamma. Again, Chris, thank you for allowing us to use your channel to be able to stream Let's Rage Coops. And I just toss it out there for everyone. What's the final thing? What do we leave on? Because, Dan, you always like to leave on Go Cougs. Hey, win, lose, or draw, baby. It's still Go Cougs. Oh, no doubt. I'm ride or die, man. I'm a Cougs ride fan or die. for 40-plus years. I'm 50 years old. Go Cougs forever. That's why I'm going to call them out when they're underperforming, and I'll give them credit when they deserve it. But I just want to give credit to Andy for doing this. He took the idea and ran with it. You want to have a post-game show for UH fans like there is for the Astros, Rockets, after games so he's done a great job doing this um but fans who are tuning in chris evans king trevor steven in orbiter in orbiter stick with us thank you because basketball season is coming and you want the same energy to talk about all these wins that are coming this way for uh men's basketball so don't go anywhere let's raise cooks throughout the men's basketball season it's going to be fire that's a promise james we're, what you got we're, we're ride or die, James. They're saying you're not ride or die with us, James. <laughs> oh, I'm ride or die. I'm just saying. I don't got much confidence. <laughs> you got confidence in us. I got confidence. Yeah, this guys. show. Uh, yeah. Of course I have confidence. This show's doing great uh, in terms of football team. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. Justin, we'll leave it on it that note. Justin, you, you get the final say. What's the final word, sir? Hey, man, the highest of highs, lowest of lows, still go Cougs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are...